1: Hey, how you doing? My name is Nolan. I'm from Past Gas by Donut Media. We are the world's number one automotive podcast. That's right, we're a storytelling show. This week, it's part three of our history of Mazda. Last week, we talked about the rotary engine and how they started a little bit of racing. This week, they got a lot more serious with it. They needed to make a big splash in the world stage. They decided to go to Le Mans over there in France and prove that they could keep up with the Europeans and the Americans. They did have a hard time with it, though. It's very intriguing. The rotary engine we talked about last week had some challenges. This is for the real Mazda heads and anybody who's curious about automotive history in general. Find it wherever you get your podcast, Pass Gas. I'll see you there. June 1926. An era of progress, rapid automotive adoption, and record-breaking feats spurred on by the rivalry between Benz and DMG had given way to crisis. The companies themselves were hardly recognizable from where they were a decade prior. The leadership had changed dramatically, Benz had sold off its stationary engine manufacturing sector and dmg had resorted to building bicycles typewriters and furniture just to stay afloat Ugh, how embarrassing <laughs> with their backs against the wall executives from the once fierce rival companies decided to merge resources and become a single entity domler benz ag but mistrust lingers in the air. While Benz brings an impressive fleet of commercial vehicles and diesel engines to the table, they are largely seen as the company benefiting the most from this deal, thanks to DMG's prestigious Mercedes brand. But let's back up a bit. How did a conniving aristocrat convince DMG to create the Mercedes brand? How did DMG and Benz usher in the era of the modern automobile? And how did these two competitors find themselves in a position where the only way to ensure their survival Was to merge. Today on Past Gas, it's part two of the history of Mercedes-Benz.
0: Past Gas podcast. It's about cars. It's not about ports. That was like the beginning of a Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. Like it just catches you up on it.
2: One time
1: in Germany, a hundred years ago. Sound alike over the top of that.
0: There wasn't. They didn't read the narration out loud. No.
1: Sort of. I have to change it a little bit.
2: Sounds like Skrillex did a little remix of
1: it. I was gonna ask a really boring question, but let's not. Let's move into it. Hello, my name is Nolan Sykes. Uh, welcome back to Past Gas. I'm joined as always by my co hosts, uh, Screwdriver James
2: Pumphrey. <laughs> Righty tighty, lefty Lucy. <laughs> What's that noise in your that mouth? That's DJ like? Shadow doing I something.
1: I don't know. Something's up with all of us. <laughs> I'm in a weird mood this week. Joe, how are you doing? That's Joe Weber over there. I'm doing there. great. What's up? Nice. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're doing well. The Santa Ana winds have made it very dry in LA. Oh my
2: god, I haven't stopped sneezing for two weeks. Yeah.
1: We're gonna talk about how Mer- Mercedes and DMG went all in on this merger with Benz. How Nice, about that? dude. Yeah. Nice. Let's do it. Emil Jelinek was a wealthy Austrian aristocrat born in 1853 in Leipzig, Germany. By the late 1800s, he had made a home on the French Riviera. Nice! And like many aristocrats yeah. of the time, nice. had acquired a taste for automobiles.
2: I feel like I woke up with Jellyneck this morning. <laughs> Jelly Neck Anthony? <laughs> I <was gonna> say. <laughs> Anthony Jesselneck? Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Jelly Neck had visited the DMG Constock factory in eighteen ninety-seven, where he purchased a six horsepower belt-driven two-cylinder motor carriage. Ooh. And even though the vehicle had turned heads in Nice, Jellyneck was unsatisfied with the 15 mile per hour top speed. So he reached back out to the DMG factory with a special request for two new vehicles with top speeds of 25 miles per hour. Nice. In September of 1898, Jellyneck received two of DMG's eight-horsepower front-engine Phoenix vehicles, the world's first road-going vehicle with a four-cylinder engine. It did not have VTEC. Despite his enjoyment (laughs) of the new fast cars, it's believed that Jellyneck had placed the order with a plan to turn a profit, and that he already had his first customer in mind, one Baron Arthur de Rothschild. Rothschild was a wealthy auto enthusiast, known for spending his mornings racing his Panhard motor carriage up to the top of the nearby Latterby Hill near Nice. I've been there. Latterby. Legend has it that one morning, to Rothschild's surprise, Jellyneck had appeared behind him while he was driving up Latterby and passed the ten mile per hour Panhard in his fifteen mile per hour DMG motor carriage. Nice. A surprise!
2: <laughs> toot toot! <laughs> On your right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> At the top of the hill, Rothschild. I love out. that. Like this
0: is, uh, this is like a badass move. Mm-hmm. Like this is like. Yeah. Oh like he knows the dude's route. He knows that he zooms around all the time. He knows that he's gonna be there that morning and sneak up on the baron. Sneak up on the Baron and I'm gonna pass him. But then they're going fifteen miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: Which is like not as fast as a child can go on a bike. There's like (laughs) a
2: cloud that's like burning (laughs) them.
0: Yeah, it's like a little a little kid passes him going downhill on On a a bike. Like I think,
2: and they I, have like the the goggles and like the scarf, and it's just not even blowing in the wind.
0: I think there's humans who can run 15. Dude.
2: Yeah, Tyree Kale can run 22.7 yeah. miles it's per
0: hour. Like, hey guys, <laughs> yeah. At Cody Co t- passes them yeah. on mile
1: 18 yeah. training for a marathon. At the top of the hill, Rothschild climbed out of his panhard to inspect Jelly Neck's DMG. Hey, and you're, you were going almost as fast as that baby back
0: there. <laughs> and after a short conversation... You almost, you almost
1: passed that runaway shopping cart. <laughs> <laughs> and after a short conversation, Rothschild was the DMG's proud new owner. A few weeks later, Jelly caught Rothschild by surprise again when he passed Rothschild's newly acquired 15 mile per hour DMG in his 25 mile per hour Phoenix. Again, after a brief conversation at the top of the hill, Jelinek sold yet another vehicle to Rothschild. Dude, this guy's such a mark. That's so Yeah, what a mark, dude. He's like the chocolate salesman from SpongeBob. Ah. Uh,
2: Patrick.
0: (laughs) Nice, Joe. (laughs) That's my favorite
2: one.
1: That got me right in the field. (laughs) Jellyneck's business continued for quite a while. By early. (laughs) How long? (laughs) Every other day? He's just passing this dude. Uh, You promise you
2: ain't got another one? (laughs) I'll buy this one if you don't have a faster (laughs) one next week. I promise. Well,
1: by early 1899, DMG had sold Jellyneck. Seven hundred and fifteen. 10, Ten vehicles uh, the majority of which he sold to other wealthy residents on the French Riviera so he was pulling this thing on rich guys all over yeah. the place it was a good situation for Jelinek but no one yet knew the legacy defining influence he was about to have on the company hey I think we should just hunt people down and <laughs> sell them faster that's cars. still how
0: Mercedes sells cars today I got Passed by Mercedes on my way to work, and they were like, "Would you like to buy?" Yeah. I was like, "I can't afford it. <laughs>
1: I gotta have this
0: car."
2: I Would you like to sit car. in the luxury of a C class?
0: <laughs> I had a lot of fun on my way to work today. You did, yeah. I had two cars because I was in. I was in the mood. Mm-hmm. I was. I was wow, here racing, for it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Okay. Felt the sunshine on your face. Yeah. So I. I
0: like when you drive a modified car, people want to mm-hmm. tell you that their car is faster mm-hmm. and so on my way here there was a young business type in a Mustang hmm. and Oh, and he wanted it mm-hmm. and I was like not today pal and I zoom zooms all around him ran circles and then finally we got on the 405 and he I was like getting off on of my exit and he was like wow like so mad he was probably gonna go make some sales calls probably, <laughs> probably. Uh, and then when I got off the freeway, there was a Land Rover that wanted it. And guess what? I gave it to A code.
2: Land Rover wanted to race for pigs? Land Rovers are
0: fast. Yeah. They got the HSV
1: model,
2: yeah. which is pretty But it's quick. still 5,000 pounds.
0: Yeah, but it's a new car. My car's 40 years old. Yeah. My car's working its little booty off.
2: That's true. Ah! Ah! <laughs>
0: well, he got a heart transplant. He did. Yeah. Is the engine the heart? I no, know it's people the say. stomach. I think. I feel like it's the legs. No, the wheels. The, the wheels axles, are the legs. Axles yeah, are axles the legs. Are legs. Wheels yeah. are the shoes. No, wheels are the feet. Gas, is, are the shoes. gas
2: is the food
0: or the gas blood. Is the food. Oil is the blood. Oil is the blood. Gas, gas is the food. food. Oil's the blood, gas is the, food. Food. Oils the <laughs> food, oil's the blood, gas is the food, oil's the blood, gas is the
1: food. Oil's the blood, gas is the food. I think we found the plot for the next like Mad Max.
0: Yeah. Join yeah. our church. Oil's the blood, gas is the food. <laughs> Carol Shelby's <it's> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Shelby, you scared the crap out of me. (laughs) (laughs) You want to buy this car? (laughs) You want to buy this car? At the turn of the century, DMG was in a state of flux. Gottlieb Daimler was suffering from a worsening heart condition and had sent away from his managerial duties, leaving the company's daily operations in the hands of Wilhelm Maybach. Hmm. Dude, I have a heart condition, but suffering from a worsening heart condition sounds terrifying. Yeah. Like mine, I don't think about it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just like doing my thing. Yeah. I go for runs. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Uh, Do my job, talk to my gal. Yeah. Chill with my homies, Mm -hmm. you know, go on Mm -hmm. vacation. Mm -hmm. I'm not even thinking about it. Mm Mm-hmm. But to retire from your drop from a worsening heart condition, you're like, you wake up
2: and you're like, fuck, my chest really hurts today. Yeah. I got to stop selling cars. Plus,
0: this is back in the 1800s, so people don't even know what the hell's going on in there. They think there's a mouse on a wheel. <laughs>
2: well, they think they need, like, they're not drinking enough whiskey.
0: Yeah, you're not drinking yeah. enough. You need to smoke more. Yeah. You need to smoke more.
2: My doctor told me I got to smoke
0: more. Yeah. Eat this belt. <laughs> smoke a pack of cigarettes. And... Eat this belt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When Jelinek approached Maybach in late 1899 to build a 28-horsepower Phoenix to enter the upcoming Nice race week, Maybach was conflicted. He had concerns that the Phoenix chassis might not be a suitable application for a 28-horsepower engine, but not wanting to disturb the ailing Daimler, he decided to press forward with the design along with Gottlieb's eldest son, Paul. Gottlieb Daimler succumbed to heart disease only a few months later on March 6, 1900. Maybach, his friend of more than four decades, finished the work on the 28-horsepower Phoenix in a grief-stricken state. Mm. I hope if I die, you guys will be grief-stricken. Probably. Probably.
2: I hope (laughs) you retire more than four months before you die. (laughs) Me too. When
0: Jelinek took a delivery of his custom-ordered race car just a few weeks later, it would be almost as if a torch of influence had been passed from Daimler and Maybach to the sly and conniving jelly neck. Oh, wow.
2: hey, jelly neck here. Hey, uh,
0: <laughs> jelly Less than a month later. My niece. head's
1: always like this. It's always turned to the oh. side. Can't hold my head up.
0: <laughs> He's got no spine. He's a jelly neck. Just got a jelly neck. Less than a month later, Nice Race Week was underway. Jelinek had entered his custom Phoenix and had requested driver and DMG factory foreman Wilhelm Bauer to race in the hill climb event at La Tobie. La Tubie? Bauer took the tiller, but only a short distance into the race. Maybach's fear that the chassis was unsuitable for the engine was realized. Navigating the first turn, the tall vehicle spun and collided with a boulder. Bauer died from his injuries the next day.
2: Yeesh. Don't want to make any jokes about a tall car. Yeah. Uh,
0: I'm glad we learned not to make cars tall. (laughs) 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 Jelinek placed the blame on the already grieving Maybach and demanded he build him another, faster (laughs) car, capable of handling high speeds, a project Paul Daimler was already interested in prior to the accident. Hey, listen, Maybach, you're too sad. Okay, and that's the reason this other guy died. I want a car as tall as possible. Make it faster, (laughs) make it taller. (laughs) Paul was immediately on board. Maybach, perhaps dealing with grief in his own way, also agreed, and the two set to work immediately. (laughs)
1: Hey, yeah, our guy just died in a pretty horrific way build something faster <laughs> <laughs> I mean you're just describing racing yeah I
0: know but yeah. it's just funny it's like how there's uh, there's a lot of these bit these episodes yeah. where yeah, that, that
2: happened Enzo Ferrari yeah, did it like 50 years later but all he had to do is like pretend that he was grieving and mm-hmm. wait for like 10 minutes to be like okay build it faster
0: yeah that could be the name of Enzo Ferrari's biography yeah. It's true this guy died. Build it faster. Build it faster. Yeah. Build it faster. We should make a movie. Build it faster.
2: Build it faster. Yeah. Who are you thinking? Adam Driver?
0: Adam Driver is Adam Enzo Ferrari. But Adam Driver on stilts. Taking <laughs> <laughs> him 15 feet tall. <laughs> DMG's board was less enthusiastic about the project and demanded that if the cars were to be built, that Jelly Nick must buy the first 36 of them. Wow.
2: What? That's a weird number.
0: Yep. He agreed under two conditions. One, he would be the exclusive DMG distributor in Austria-Hungary, France, and Belgium. And number two, most importantly to the history of the company, the cars be named after his daughter...
2: Mercedes. Oh, oh, such a beautiful name.
0: I do oh. like that name. I do man. like it. I, I, I want to name my daughter Mercedes. I was also
2: thinking about like Porsche, but spelled P O R T I A. Porsche
0: de Rossi. All yeah. Porsche is a cool name. It is. You can't do both. No. You'd be weird. No. Especially if you can't afford them. Mm. I mean, you're going to name your kid after a car. You got to be able to afford it. Ford. Ford. <laughs> 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 so I'm going to name my
1: daughter Hyundai. I actually know a guy named Ford. Do you? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a cool name for a that's man. Cool. He's a good dude. Ford. What's dude, his Humphrey. last name? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Ranger. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> dude, Ranger. 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 If I lived in the South, I would that's name
0: a my great kid Ranger. Name for a dog. Yeah. Know yeah. what I'm gonna name my dog? Next dog. Ruger. Jet. That's a good one. Ruger's a good name for a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna name my dog Jesse.
2: Uh, that's kinda Jesse. <laughs> What does your friend Jesse think about that?
0: He thought it was funny. I told him yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good name for a dog. Dogs need two syllable Jesse. names. I'm gonna name my next or pet s- Scooby. I'm Scooby, just, that's a great dude. name. That's Scooby. a great name for a dog. Classic dog. Classic dog name. One of the guts. Or brown cat.
2: Scooby. <laughs> Scooby.
0: Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Wagner. Ranks uh, rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I think if my dog called me by my first name, though, I'd be like, well. Thanks, James. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I'm your dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, daddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> DMG agreed. And on December 22nd, 1900, Jelly took delivery of the Mercedes 35 horsepower. Ooh, Great name. That's... Very descriptive. Yeah. The Whoa. first vehicle to carry the name. And let me tell you guys, it's a looker. This thing's actually kind of sick. Yeah, it's sick, dude. It's like yeah. a little hot rod from the
2: 20s. I like the, 20s. the two colors, I guess. It's yeah. in black and white But I'm assuming There's two <laughs> It is a black and white photo Yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah but you got like Two like look There's like two little Like racing seats yeah. Almost You got yeah. some bolsters pretty, there
2: pretty sweet They look like um, Like wicker deck chairs Yeah almost. they're wicker yeah. They're wicker
0: deck Racing seats Very then, short wheelbase Very short wheelbase And then there's like A big cool fender But
2: yeah. Like so basically cool. The same horsepower As your golf <laughs> Like a stock golf From the 80s Yeah
0: Yeah <laughs> this 35 horsepower has become widely seen as a clear break between the motor driven carriages of the late 1800s and the modern automobile it's got a wheel Hmm. in Daimler and Benz: The Complete History author Dennis Adler writes the Mercedes has been hailed in the motor press as the first modern automobile it introduced steel instead of wood for the chassis a honeycomb radiator in front of the engine a gated gear change lever, a driven Gated shifter wheels, yep, and four passenger seating. That's sick. A simple formula which has prevailed with few basic changes to the concept for over one hundred years.
2: So this is like the coupe that we're looking at. There, it says the two seater. Going to huh? be like a four seater eventually. That's what I would assume. They put two more wicker chairs backwards. Yeah.
0: On, I think. No, you sit on a lap. Mm.
2: <laughs> It, dude, yeah, to be a car reviewer in 1900 yeah. you just have to wait You'd for... be, be like, ah Well, done with that one <laughs> oh, That Mercedes is great oh. uh, What's Ford up to? Maybe you? I jumped the gun
0: <laughs> Its speed was also near modern The 35 horsepower 5.9 liter <laughs> oh That's big for a little that's one, sick. big old cylinders wow. Yeah. could propel the car to 55 miles per hour, the typical speed limit on modern U.S. highways today.
2: That's 1.5 liters per cylinder. Yeah. That's like that's a whole big. engine. That's
1: yeah. Crazy. And look how skinny those tires I mean, that sounds slow, but like the tires are Dude, basically- that thing rips. Like big bicycle tires. Uh-huh. I bet they had tubes. They maybe? 100% did.
0: Yeah. no and admit it I, they probably had they tubes they probably did dude admit enough. it I don't know enough admit it dude they had tubes
1: dude admit it they probably did admit it they probably did admit it I don't know enough they probably had tubes I don't know admit it I see it. a little valve stem there yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you got him dude got him <laughs> nice
1: we'll get back to more past gas but right now a word from our sponsors
0: This clear leap forward Was not lost on people of the time either Paul Mayen, founding member Of the Motor Car Club de France Wrote an article praising the vehicle And declared The We have entailed The Mercedes
2: Era, <laughs> era. era. You really have to swallow your tongue on that
0: era. Era.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> No more Garcia para <laughs> <laughs> A momentous shift had occurred, and virtually overnight, the terms motorized carriage and automobile could no longer be used interchangeably. Auto buyers, who at the turn of the century were almost exclusively wealthy, were no longer interested in purchasing the obviously dated carriage-based designs. Yeah, it's like having an Android. (laughs) (laughs) I think those are way ahead of iPhones. (laughs) But... (laughs) Dork? <laughs> Benz and C had to respond. Carl Benz, who had been reluctant to the point of stubbornness to make improvements to his designs up to this point, found his hand forced by the Mercedes as his sales declined. In nineteen oh two, Benz introduced the Mercedes like Parsifal and Spider Models. Ooh, cool name. Renewing the sales competition with DMG. Why is a convertible called a spider?
0: Because a That's spider takes your head off.
2: Spider.
1: I don't know. I don't know that. Both Benz and DMG also leaned into the burgeoning world of motorsport to promote their even more powerful models. Since the earliest days of both companies, the interest in racing had primarily been a passion of each of the founder's sons, namely Paul Daimler, Paul, and Richard and Eugene Benz. The two teams often met on the track. Two notable instances include a Mercedes victory against a closely trailing Benz team in second and third place at the 1908 Grand Prix de France, and the 1910 US Grand Prix in Savannah, Georgia, wow, in which the Mercedes team had mechanical issues. What does
0: Google say about spider? Uh, back to the days of a carriage, there's a spider.
2: Oh, because there was a carriage that was like haunched like a spider. Mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they were also called Phaetons. So, the Mercedes team was unable to get problems solved before the race, scoring a did not start. And watching from the pits as Benz drove to a 1-2 victory over there in Savannah. Shout out, SCAD. A lot of people work here
2: came from SCAD. Oh, so many editors. Richard and Eugene
1: also pushed for Benz to make a name for itself in chasing speed records. In 1910, American driver Barney Oldfield drove the 200-horsepower Lightning, or Wow. Blitzen, Uh, bends to a world record 131.724 miles per hour at Ormond, Daytona Beach.
2: That must have felt insane
1: at that time. I mean, it was faster than planes of the time. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. The Florida Times wrote of this occasion, quote, The speed attained was the fastest ever traveled by a human being.
0: No greater speed having been recorded except that made by a
1: bullet. The following year, again at Daytona, Bob Berman <laughs> drove the same car to 141.732 miles per that,
2: hour. That's gotta be oh. terrifying.
1: That's I
0: mean, yeah. yeah. crazy, dude.
2: Stone Crab after this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> DMG was also taking their track success to the streets, in no small part thanks to Paul <laughs> Daimler, who had replaced Maybach as chief engineer in April of 1907. Under Paul's leadership, DMG's newfound enthusiasm for speed culminated in the 1910 Mercedes 3790, a car powered by a 90 horsepower, 10 liter four cylinder oh. engine. Oh my God. Two liters. With uh, lightweight coachwork that could two. hit 100 miles per hour. Whoa. 10 liter four cylinder.
2: They yeah. went from 25 miles per hour to 141 like, in like very a couple quickly. Years. Yeah. Cock, 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 cock.
1: the idle timing. Like that, probably. <laughs> probably didn't rev <laughs> very high. It probably no, had a red I'm line sure of didn't. maybe like four, four at Like a big thousand.
2: hound dog slurping up water. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the competition also moved outside of automobiles altogether. After the invention of the airplane in 1903, both Everyone companies- Everyone was like, this is better. Yeah. Both companies realized the financial opportunity before them. They began designing engines for this new technology, planes, with DMG producing a revolutionary 388 pound, 7.3 liter, inline Whoa. six cylinder
2: That's light.
1: airplane engine yeah. with an overhead cam in 1912. That's really light. What was it made out of?
2: Ramen. Horse bones.
1: Ramen. Paul, of course, saw yet another racing opportunity and fitted this engine into a Mercedes race yes. car and experienced unprecedented success with a 1-2-3 finish at Le Mans in 1914. Yeah, he Damn. finished first. And
0: then he spun around, lapped everybody, finished and second, again. lapped everybody again, <sighs> finished
1: third.
2: Zoom, zoom. zim. He kept like, putting on like a fake mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Top hat. I'll take all the prize money.
1: Mm-hmm. The Daimler team had, from day one, been interested in what the internal combustion engine could mean for mobility, and had dedicated engineering efforts to boats, cars, public transit, lighter-than-air aircraft, and now planes. A lighter-than-air aircraft, according to this note, is a blimp. Ah, oh, a dirigible. Which dirigible. I figured
2: out last week. Because mm-hmm. we you guys you. helped me. <laughs> we told you. <laughs> you. guys helped me figure out yeah. what a dirigible was last we week. Remember? It for you. <laughs> in 1909,
1: they unveiled a new Mercedes emblem, immediately recognizable to anyone today, that symbolized their technological reach. A three-pointed star representing mobility on land, water, and oh. in the air. James, we were at uh, Jay Leno's shop last week, and uh-huh. we were wondering what that emblem meant. We yeah. were thinking maybe it was a propeller, like the yeah, BMW was one. Yeah,
2: it kind of is, though. Sort know? of,
1: but land, air, and sea, man. Yeah, land, air, and sea, That's just cool. like me. That's really. It's sick.
2: also the peace sign, because no. they were way. But they liked peace.
0: No, there's peace sign has a middle one.
2: Yeah, but they also liked peace, though. No, I don't think they do.
1: <laughs> I think... Well, okay. I, I'm looking at the next paragraph. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, this fierce competition between the two paid dividends. In 1910, both companies delivered over 1,000 automobiles, and by 1912, sales had doubled for DMG and tripled for Benz, putting both at capacity for commercial vehicle production. However. With the start of World War I, mm. Joe, the era of competition between Benz and DMG was about to come to a close and a new era of cooperation would soon emerge.
2: Wait, so they don't like peace? <laughs> oh,
1: man. Uh, not around this time. Peace sales. <laughs> but who's buying?
0: By the time war broke out in November 1914, both DMG and Benz had undergone significant internal changes since the turn of the century. In addition to Gottlieb Daimler's death and Paul succeeding Maybach at DMG, Carl had resigned from his position within Benz in the early 1900s and spent time on a supervisory board before resigning altogether in the mid-1900s. The same year of Maybach's departure, Jelinek was also ousted after giving an interview with a German auto newspaper in which he took credit for the design of Mercedes cars saying, (laughs) The whole construction of the Mercedes car was and still is entirely built on my plans.
2: He is a shyster.
0: After his relationship with DMG had been terminated, Jelinek, who at this point had legally changed his last name to Jelinek Mercedes... Oh Oh.
1: Oh, my god! What a
0: weirdo, dude. What? What a weirdo, dude. That's super weird. What? Just
2: dropped Jelinek at that point. Yeah, what a creep. That's like the weird last it's name it's not
0: even anyone's last name yeah what that a, is crazy that is lo- that's like, like when definition.
2: i when i changed my name to joe annabelle because of your daughter Annabelle. i know my daughter annabelle
0: <laughs> that is crazy dude. all wow. right so he was appointed to honorary vice council of austria-hungary in monaco <laughs> by nine other than the archduke Franz Ferdinand, oh. the same Franz Ferdinand whose assassination was the primary catalyst for World War I. Yeah. After the war broke out, Jelinek was accused of espionage <laughs> by French authorities and fled to Switzerland where he died. In January 1918, ten months before the war's end, this guy is just a weird little goblin guy. Yeah, Jelinek,
2: I go to the mountains and no one can find me there. I'd love to do that. That'd be sick. Yeah, I've wanted to go to Switzerland for so long. I've been twice. I want to take a like a little tram up to a village where they sell cheese on an honor system. <laughs> so you just take cheese. It's a little shed and farmers put the cheese in there and then you mm-hmm. drop a little, a little euros in the bucket yeah, that's cool. or francs or whatever they use.
0: Like many automakers, DMG and Benz were forced mm-hmm. to retool their factory floors for war production. The Great War was quickly becoming the bloodiest in history in large part thanks to the technologies that Benz and DMG introduced and advanced. Many internal combustion engine powered vehicles made their debut in this first truly modern war, including... Troop transporters, aircraft, and tanks. Cool, terrible. I was giving us a second to like, oh, really soak in. Sorry, the, sorry. I want to the do the weight now. of that. My bad. DM, you ruined it. DMG and Benz were both responsible for producing vehicles and engines for these applications. Austrian DMG branch Austro-Daimler even founded a new company in the midst of war called bearish motorin verka. Wow. Or BMW. Hmm. That's crazy. I
2: didn't know that was the case.
0: To fill a production gap in aircraft engines for the war
2: effort. Wow. So uh, BMW is just one of the tines of the Mercedes logo.
0: Yeah, the air one. And it's, and its logo is a propeller. Mm-hmm. Whoa! Wow. That's good branding. Follow the money. <laughs> the defeat of Germany in 1918 and the signing of the 1919 Treaty of Versailles left the German economy in tatters, ushering in a period of uncertainty for both DMG and Benz. With inflation soaring, gasoline in short supply, a ban from participation in international motor shows until 1927, and a loss of foreign market interest in their products, the two companies were in survival mode. In the early 1920s, Benz was forced to sell off its stationary engine department, the same department that had financed Carl Benz's motor carriage efforts. DMG was determined to retain its properties and tried to manufacture items more useful to a domestic market strangled by inflation, items such as bicycles, furniture, and typewriters. Hmm. But inflation continued to soar. Operating costs at Ben's that stood at 500 million marks in October 1922 had risen to over 22 billion marks Jeez. within a year. DMG would go so far as to print their own money to make <laughs> financial transactions. Not a good sign.
2: No. no. I wish I still had my $500 trillion <laughs> um, Zimbabwe note. Oh, yeah. I gave it away. Yeah. Who? I gave it away to someone who did a service for me I can't remember
1: <laughs> You exchanged currency for services rendered
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Okay. okay.
0: Despite limited financial resources And foreign manufacturers like Ford Entering the German market Both DMG and Benz found the means To continue to innovate and race
2: There's a haircut, my last haircut Glad we got to the bottom of it <laughs>
0: At the 1921 Berlin Auto Show, DMG unveiled the Mercedes 1045-65, the world's first car with a supercharger equipped as standard. Nice. Wow. Yeah! Cool. They probably developed that for airplanes. Probably.
2: It, the name sounds like a tire. It does. Dumb. I thought the same thing. <laughs> 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 same,
1: same <page>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nolan's like, what are these guys talking about? I <laughs>
0: I
2: get it. I get
1: it. I'm hip.
0: A year later, driver Max Saylor drove the first supercharged Mercedes race car, the Model 28-95 Sport, to a class victory at the Targo Florio. At Benz, 1923 saw the unveiling of the OB2 four-cylinder pre Chamber diesel engine, the first series-produced diesel engine for commercial vehicles. That's big deal. That's huge. That's big deal. Commercial vehicles? love diesel engines.
2: Yeah, and Mercedes diesel engines, pretty good.
0: Pretty good. (laughs) In September of the same year, Benz would also see success with their teardrop racing cars. Oh yeah, I remember these boys. At the European Grand Prix in Monza, finishing fifth and sixth. The car would go on to win numerous hill climb and track races. I say I remember those not like remembering them in person because I am not a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) I remember pictures, not a vampire. By 1924, the companies were in many ways unrecognizable from where they had been 20 years earlier. In addition to being in dire financial straits and cornered into a domestic market, they had also lost connection with their founders and were now run by boards with increasingly fewer connections to the two companies' origins. Carl, Richard, and Eugene Benz were long gone from Benz and C. And in 1923, Paul Daimler had become so unsatisfied with the management, he left the company to work for Horch,
2: a direct competitor. Which became Audi. Yeah? Yeah. Horch means to listen in old German, Hmm. and Audi is the Latin. Audio. Yeah. No way. Wow. We should do an Audi episode. That'd be sick. We should. There's a lot
0: of... Stuff that happened. Yes.
2: The auto union. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: The rivalry between the two may have spurred incredible innovations, but the loss of the rivalry was exactly what Benz and DMG needed to survive. They had reached a tipping point and in order to avoid collapsing into bankruptcy, agreed to share resources to save themselves. In May 1924, they signed the Agreement of Mutual Interests, a cooperative and non-competitive arrangement that oversaw the financial activities of both brands and legally established the partnership
1: as Mercedes-Benz. G-M-B-H.
2: Nice. That's like ink for Germany.
1: The Mercedes-Benz partnership was largely made possible because the two companies, by viewers like you, (laughs) because the two companies' products had diverged from another to the point they were no longer direct competitors. Although both still made race cars, DMG was focused on aircraft, luxury, and sports cars, and Benz had thrown itself almost completely into commercial vehicle production. For the next two years, DMG and Benz operated relatively independently, combining revenue and filling in the market gaps. The other half of the company uh, had left open. During this period between 1924 and 25, Benz delivered the world's first diesel truck to a customer and introduced a number of other commercial vehicles. DMG, meanwhile, unveiled a new line of supercharged Mercedes and competed in the German long-distance flight trials, winning first, second, and third in Group A. They also put their award-winning aircraft engine into production.
2: That's cool. In late June of
1: 1926, the cooperation between DMG and Benz became a merger, establishing the two automakers as a single company, Daimler-Benz AG. Fittingly, barely two weeks later, Rudolf Caracciola won the German Grand Prix in the first ever eight-cylinder Mercedes. In August, an update of the joint logo was officially registered. The iconic three-pointed star surrounded by the Benz wreath and the names Mercedes
2: and... Benz. Okay, it's all coming together. Mm -hmm.
1: The first joint appearance of the Mercedes-Benz brand was at the Berlin Motor Show that ran from October 29th to November 7th, 1926. In addition to the impressive display of Benz-designed commercial vehicles, they also introduced the first Mercedes-Benz that wasn't simply a rebadged car from the pre-merger companies called the Model K.
2: This thing's sick. It's very elegant.
1: Model K. It was named after ketamine.
2: (laughs) I'm in a band's hole right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good looking car. It looks like a wolf drives it. Or should um, I say a wolf?
2: <laughs> a total wolf. <laughs>
0: was it was this supercharged? I don't know. Cause K could have stood for compressor.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Compressor. That'd be a cool metal name. Compressor. Oh, With yeah.
1: a K. I bet yeah. that's like an industrial band for sure. Compressor.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That ah. it is dude uh, just got confirmation uh, James is correct uh, uh, compressor yep that's a band that's tight well
0: more applicable more than, to the story yeah <laughs> it right. was yeah. called the Model K after compressor because yeah. it was a supercharged yeah car. The first few years after the merger made it seem as if the woes of Mercedes were behind them. Sales picked up, the economy had found stability, and Mercedes was experiencing a wealth of success on the track, including a 1-2-3 finish at the German GP at Nürburgring. But for all the motorsport success they had ahead of them in the 1930s, they would soon face their greatest challenges. Between 1929 and 1939, there were a number of developments that would change the company forever. Despite not being involved with their respective companies for decades, the deaths of Carl Benz and Wilhelm Maybach in 1929 symbolized the end of the early era of the automobile. That same year, the U.S. stock market came crashing down, ushering in the Great Depression. Germany's economy was in tatters again as was the state of Mercedes-Benz. The hardships were seemingly endless for Germany, and in 1933, Adolf Hitler rose to power, offering the German people a scapegoat for their woes. Soon after, Mercedes would find itself doing the bidding of the Nazi regime. Now, if you've listened to our episode on Hitler's racing program, you know much of what comes next. If you need a refresher, listen to that episode, or here's a quick summary. Hitler made one of his first public appearances after becoming Chancellor of Germany at the 23rd Berlin Motor Show, where he gave a speech making two promises, to create an affordable people's car and to launch a state-sponsored German racing program to showcase, quote, German supremacy. He approached two German auto manufacturers, Mercedes-Benz and Auto Union, and offered a cash incentive to whichever manufacturer could build a GP car to bring victory to Germany. Mercedes got involved immediately and the next year introduced the aluminum-bodied W-25s, commonly known as the Silver Arrows, which would go on to dominate racing throughout the 1930s. Mercedes also carried out numerous record breaking attempts as part of this Nazi racing program, including a 268.8 mile per hour run in a modified W-125 GP car on the newly developed Autobahn. This was a public road speed record no one would break until 2017 in a Bugatti Veyron. I'm not sure. That's gotta be. Dude, 268 miles per hour. In
2: 1939.
0: Dude, that is fast. Mm -hmm. I think I had the same exact reaction when, (laughs) when we did the podcast on that. But there were many requirements for this. All drivers for the Nazi team were required to be part of the paramilitary group National Socialist Motor Corps. Ooh. With the money Mercedes-Benz received from their work with Hitler's regime, they were able to beat back the Depression-era hardships faced by many companies all across the globe. They also developed the 260D, the world's first diesel passenger car, and numerous race cars like the W125, a GP car capable of speeds over 200 miles per hour. Mercedes-Benz also played a huge role in the remilitarization of Germany in the 1930s. They built the DB600 aircraft engine that powered several aircraft of the Luftwaffe, Germany's rapidly growing air force. Daimler and Benz, first separately and now together, had survived a world war, two financial crises, an encroachment from international competitors. But like most of Germany, Its passivity to the rise of Nazism and its cooperation with the regime would lead the world to catastrophe. As a result, Mercedes-Benz and the rest of Germany would emerge from the upcoming war grappling with the horrendous pain they had brought upon their neighbors and themselves, searching for a path forward. And that's where we'll pick up next week with part three of Mercedes-Benz.
2: I mean, we've talked about it a couple of times. Uh... Every car company gets sucked into war. Oh yeah,
0: because you build the stuff that... Yeah, you already have the, like, war.
2: the government's just like, alright, you got the stuff to make this stuff. Mm-hmm. You're working for us now.
0: Stop building that stuff, make this stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but you know, uh, guys like F- Ferdinand Porsche, I'm obviously not connected to Mercedes, but guys like that, like Ferdinand Porsche was like an avowed Nazi. He, yeah. he was part of the party early on
2: and hung um, out with Hitler at yeah. the, the Crow's Nest in like, Switzerland.
1: Stole the design for Eagle's the Volkswagen nest, Beetle. Uh so we didn't get into it too specifically in this episode, but I would assume that a fair part of the leadership at these companies would probably yeah. Yeah, I mean absolutely. Mercedes was the Nazi yeah. car. Yeah. Like, Hitler didn't ride around in a Porsche. Yeah, so I'm he not going I'm not going to let them, you know. Oh no,
2: I'm not. I'm know. not trying to let them off the hook. I'm just saying like uh, every uh, like no, uh, never mind <laughs>
0: whenever there's a war the car companies make mm. yes planes and stuff but yeah Mercedes I think pretty they wanted to be the they were the best boy Nazi car mm-hmm. company yeah yeah and next week we're gonna dive into that deep mm-hmm. and uh continue this amazing story of Mercedes. But until gotcha. then, we got some listener mail. Yes, we do. Listener mail. Listener mail.
2: From Blake G.
0: Blake G in the house. Blake G in the building. Got some listener mail from Blake G. Blake G, listen up. Hey, guys, the more I listen, the more I realize you also hate Tim Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually from Kalamazoo, where he was arrested and snitched. Just glad to see the hatred is national. Have a wonderful day, and you make my days doing deliveries far more enjoyable. Hell yeah,
1: Blake. Sincerely, Blake G. Hell yeah, dude. (laughs) He put a smiley face at the end of it. Yeah, Yeah. smiley face. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, Tim Allen's a snitch.
1: Hell yeah, dude.
2: I think he's also a rotary engine, too, because have you heard him laugh? (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, yeah, so check us out next week for part three of this story. Follow James at James Pumphrey. At, uh, follow Joe at Joe G. Weber. Ah. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. Ah. Like. Big thank you to Christina Felsky, Nick G. Musso, and our producer this week, Paul O'Mara.
2: And congrats to Gavin Kinsel for his, yeah. and his wife for the baby. That's
1: right, yeah. Paul the baby. Paul's uh, stepping in for Gavin because Gavin and his wife had that baby. Mostly his wife. Mostly his wife, yeah.
2: (laughs) Thank you for watching if you're on YouTube. Go
1: buy Donut Apparel at Zoomies or Blue Tomato if you're over in Europe at select Blue Tomato stores. James is carving what I assume is some sort of rune into the table with a (laughs) screwdriver. Made of Adam. uh, And uh, yeah, DonutMedia.com Support the show by getting that Wink Wink Nation t-shirt.